Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, you actually end, then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello. Welcome to session 275 of Selling the Couch. I hope that you're doing well and having a good day. So today's podcast is a little bit different than the typical podcast episode. We're not doing a solo episode. We're not doing an interview. We're actually doing a coaching call. And uh, this is something that I am experimenting with because I feel like, one, it would be really interesting if folks got to ask me questions and, you know, I try to just uh, be open and, and share a lot of, you know, what I've learned and to hopefully make the journey easier for you. And so today's coaching call is with Steve Bisson, and Steve is starting a podcast. And Steve had shared that he was starting a podcast in the Selling the Couch Facebook group. And uh, we connected there, and, you know, I tried to be helpful and just share a couple of resources and tips and all of those things. And then uh, I had a random idea, and I was like, you know, it'd be really interesting to actually do a podcast do almost like a call as a podcast episode. So Steve is joining us for this call and we're covering a number of different things. Among them, you know, when you have an idea for a podcast, do you like create a mission statement or a business plan kind of right up front or or do you become more or are you more flexible with it? How far out should you record podcast episodes? Is there kind of a sweet spot that you have found? And, uh, you know, and then also things like, how do you get guests for your podcasts in a way that's authentic and, and, you know, doesn't feel like, yeah, inauthentic. And then finally, how do you promote your podcast again in a way that feels authentic and, and to, you know, who we are and doesn't feel like that slimy or salesy or anything like that. So uh, we'll get right to today's coaching call. But before we do, just wanted to let you know that we I've recorded a brand new podcasting workshop. Um, I decided to record this in early 2021 because, I mean, podcasting is like continuing to grow like crazy. In fact, the latest Edison research says now that a third of Americans listen to podcasts on a regular basis. And I wanted to incorporate some more of the data and all of that kind of stuff. So if you've been thinking about launching your own podcast and you just need some extra guidance, uh, feel free to sign up for the podcasting workshop. It's absolutely free and you can actually schedule it on a date and a time that works for you. You can sign up at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. 
Hey friends, we are on sabbatical from the STC podcast. This is my first sabbatical in seven years, but we will be back in April with brand new episodes of the STC podcast. In the meantime, there are a lot of things happening still with STC. Uh, among them is a brand new workshop that we put together for you that you can sign up at a date and time that works for you. If you are a successful private practitioner and interested in launching an online course, you can check out that workshop over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Again, that's sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. So let's get right to our conversation with Steve Bisson. Hey, Steve, welcome to Selling the Couch. Hi, Melvin. I'm happy to be here. Oh my gosh. I am really looking forward to this call. You mentioned at the beginning that you were feeling a little bit nervous, but I got to tell you, I'm I'm actually feeling nervous because I'm usually used to you know asking the questions, but this should be a lot of fun. Well, yes, it's a nice privilege to be doing this and also to throw you a couple of curveballs at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that you're not, not going to take pleasure in those curveballs. <laughs> well, you know, even before you know, I had this uh, thought to do something like this because I know that many of us may be thinking about creating a podcast. I feel like, especially for helpers and healers, podcasting is a natural offshoot of our clinical skills, right? The ability to ask questions. And there's a lot of really neat, you know, business benefits and personal benefits to podcasting. But it, you know, it's definitely not easy as, you know, I feel like especially nothing online and worthwhile is. But I wanted to do these calls because I know you are in the process of starting your podcast and uh, you had reached out and I think we had, we had connected in the, in the Facebook community and you had just some questions and I thought, you know, this would be really fun if we just create an episode around this. So I'm grateful for your courage to even want to do this. Well, I, I'm, I'm happy to be here, frankly, and I like the fact that you feel that I'm courageous for doing this. So I guess before we even get started, tell us a little bit about the podcast and, and what you're even thinking about doing. Well, I wrote a book last year called Finding Your Way Through Therapy. A lot of people who have read it have said that I've it really helped them understand that therapy doesn't have to be imposing, scary, or anything like that. And they said, well, maybe you need to make therapy more accessible to people because this is my second language. So I end up speaking more bluntly in English than I do because my, my first language is French. So because of that, they said, well, what about a podcast, Steve? You'd be good. You have a good voice and you, you could also make it easy for people to look at therapy as something that's accessible to them. So that's why I decided on finding your way through therapy uh, podcast, which is going to be really geared towards maybe more people who want to go into therapy or maybe questioning therapy as well as therapists and try to like kind of refresh maybe people's energy as a therapist. Yeah. I mean, before I even like say more, you have a great podcasting voice. I agree with <laughs> what your friends have shared and yeah, you're absolutely right. I think there is, it's an interesting, it's a great idea first, but I think it's an interesting medium to do that because I think one of the really unique things about podcasting is, I mean, you're literally in the ears of people and there's this intimate connection that forms naturally when you listen to podcasts and to have a topic like therapy and, and talking about that, I think is just, that's such a cool combo. And I hope, I hope that it makes people look at therapy a lot differently because I think it's imposing for certain people. I work with first responders who typically look at therapy as something that may be negative. 
And I want to change the per, the perception that it's normal to be in therapy. It's almost like a physical every three to six months if you have to. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, it's almost like, I mean, this is one of those lessons that I've learned. Obviously, I'm not a, I'm an entrepreneur, but, you know, I, I realize like how vital therapy is uh, to my own business journey, you know, and yeah, and that's, I mean, it's such a wonderful idea. I know that as you ha- are trying to figure out the direction of the podcast, I know you had some questions, both like kind of more business strategy related, but also really like practical stuff. So I, I'm looking forward to them and, uh, well, let's just dive right in and, uh, and throw them at me. So, well, I, you know, it, it, the one thing that came first to mind that you were asking me what my podcast was going to be, um, I was wondering a little bit about, you know, should I create a mission statement, a, some sort of business plan or some idea around that so that it could give it direction or should I also leave it fluid enough that I can change it as I go? Yeah, that's a really good question. So, you know, at least with selling the couch, I lean toward the latter of like, I I almost think of it as like having a loose business direction, like holding that position really loosely, because to be completely honest, when I first started selling the couch, it was like, hey, maybe I'll just interview successful practitioners about how they built their businesses. And then I realized over the course of recording my own, you know, these episodes where my passion lay, which is income and impact beyond the therapy room. Right. And so I think if I had kind of held to like, I can only interview therapists, I don't think my mind would have been open to that. So I think it is a good idea to have like, hey, this is what the podcast about, right? Like even you said it like really well, right? It's, it could be as simple as therapy, you know, is really confusing and it's intimidating for a lot of people. And I wanted to create a podcast that, that broke it down, you know, and hold that position, but then also assume that some of that may change, you know, especially as you do more of these interviews and, and have different topics, you might be like, you know what, I, I started here, but I'm starting to go there. I think that's also one of the like magical things of podcasting is that we can shift focuses and, and, and kind of go, you know? Uh, absolutely. Now, you know, I've seen the shift in your work. I've certainly enjoyed following. So that's why I was wondering about the business plan, which, you know, brings me maybe to another question that I may have, which is how far in advance do you plan these podcasts? Um, so, you know, like I, I've heard, it, I've heard people say, you got to plan three months ahead. And then I'm like, Oh my God, that's intimidating. And then I've heard other people like, eh, wing it every week. And that's also intimidating. So I don't know where the healthy balance is with that. Yeah, that's a really good question. I think before we get there, I didn't want us to like mention one other thing, which is on that previous question. I think one of the things I always encourage folks to think about is try to like line up, especially your individual episodes. So if you have some interviews and then you have some solo episodes, try to line up those interview ba- or the solo episodes with content or with products and services that you provide, right? So the natural call to action is, you know, hey guys, if you enjoyed this episode and you want to work want to work one-on-one with me and you're in the state of Massachusetts, then, you know, then you can learn more about this and then you would just put that URL. So with regard to your other question, that's a really good question. And it's something that honestly I've struggled with. So I definitely do not like flying by the seat of my pants. That stresses me way too much. And I think what I try to aim for is a four to six weeks ahead in terms of content. So this is something I often tell people, and it does not 
make sense when you're first starting out. Like it will not logically make sense. But what I always tell folks is look at your schedule and plan the months during the year that you will not podcast. And so for me, uh, what's really worked out well is I'll podcast January, February, March, take a break in April. And where initially we just didn't do anything on those on those off months. And then as we started having more episodes, we just replay the episodes, some of the more popular ones. Then May, June, July, I podcast, take August, then September, October, I podcast and take November, December off. The very first year I try to do it all like I think every week except the week of like between Christmas and New Year. And it was just too much. So don't do that. The other reason for the taking the month off is it can help you like backlog some interviews. So then you're not constantly scrambling. How often are you thinking about, you know, doing the podcast? Well, I was talking to someone else about podcasting um, in my research and what she does is seasons and she does about 10 weeks and then takes like a month off like you do. And she's like, we make a season that way. So 10 weeks gives you you know, enough content. And then during that month or two off, you can create the content for your following months and so on and so forth. So I I thought that would be a good concept. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's a really good concept. Like batching episodes is like probably one of the most simple, but powerful things that I've learned. So basically, instead of only recording like one interview a week, trying to do like two or three really depends on your energy level. Like I know podcasters that'll do like eight or nine interviews in a day. And, you know, if they're doing like a weekly podcast or they then got like two months worth of content by the end of the day, but that super drains me. So I can do like two max, but those, those months off is what I try to do. So if four to six weeks is a good sweet spot also, because just because like world events change and stuff like that. So if you get too far ahead, then it might be like so far ahead that you can't like interject something that's really relevant or important, you know? So it doesn't look like a magazine that comes out and you're like, yeah, right. they're, not, they're out of touch completely with what's going on. <laughs> what is this guy, Steve, doing here? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's what I've kind of found. It, it's a nice balance. And I think also, you know, if you down the line, if you are thinking about like podcast sponsorship or any of those things, I think sponsors also really like that you're organized, you know, and I think that four to six weeks is a nice sweet spot because then you can say like, hey, I have, you know, May available for, you know, for for podcast sponsorship. You get too far ahead. The issue is, let's say somebody, let's say you're in like April and somebody wants to do like a June and you're already into August, then you have to go back on those episodes and like re-record a a pot like an ad read which is a, a little bit of a pain so you know you bring when you're talking about all this i'm thinking about many questions and you know when you said doing eight to nine interviews in a day that that's what i call therapy i'm trying to do this podcast to kind of diversify my business i've been in business full time for over seven years at this point. So I'm not looking to interview 10 people in a day, but I was wondering if you had any advice in regards to that. So I've been in my business, give or take 10 years, full time on my own for about seven. And this is a way to diversify, but do you have any advice on when would be a good time to start thinking about diversifying and stuff like that? Yeah. Diversifying income, you're saying? Correct. With the podcast. and Yeah, absolutely. So with sponsors, I think this is, you know, this is definitely something I would do like in the initial stages, because I think what I've seen with not all colleagues, but 
several colleagues is they get very passionate about the idea of podcasting, but they don't often think about it as a vehicle for their business. And so think about whether your topic could is something that actually could be monetized. So meaning like, are there like companies out there or are there products out there that would be that the those companies would want to get in front of your audience, right? And it sounds like for yours, there's definitely the potential because you have these companies that are, you know, wanting, you know, wanting people that are interested in therapy, right? And who would be wanting to offer some sort of services. So I would do a little bit of research um, definitely on that. The other thing is, I mean, I think, I don't know what it's like for you, but I feel like for me, all I ever knew was like trading time for income as a way to make income. And so this whole digital space of online courses, membership sites, affiliate income, like all of this stuff is still so weird to me on some level. So think about some of those kind of things. It's not like you don't need, you know, five different income streams or something, you know, just start out. I mean, at the core, like list out all of the current products and or services that you offer, right? Most people start with one-on-one and then they usually branch into doing consults on that area of expertise, right? Like, so if, you know, a fellow therapist wants to reach out to you and is, you know, I don't know, wants to, wants a more effective way, I'm just like, you know, spitballing here, but wants more effective ways to communicate with, with their potential clients of how to, how to present therapy in a way. I mean, maybe you're the expert that they go to, you know, or maybe they want to create it as almost like a short form podcast or a video, but how do they communicate that? Maybe you eventually become that expert, you know? So there's definitely like consults there. And then I think like an offshoot after the, based on how you, how the consults are doing, I think that can give you data in terms of more scalable stuff like online courses and things like that. So if there's a whole, this is, I mean, even my podcasting course, this is how it started that when I started selling the couch in 2015, you know, colleagues started reaching out, wanting consults on how to start a podcast. And then I was like, well, this isn't very scalable. Like I enjoy them, but it's like kind of, I've traded therapy for doing consults. Right. And so then I, then I had the idea for an online course. And so, you know, we were talking about this, I think before the interview started, but there's just some information that we won't know until you release your episodes, i.e. like, for example, what topics are resonating for folks and what, you know, and what folks are reaching out to you. So, but I think the book, you've got a book. So that's definitely something I would highly recommend in terms of at least your solo episodes, trying to really line up those solo episodes and having the call to action for the purchase of the book. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the ideas that I had in regards to the marketing is that not giving away the book, but I have different chapter names and using those as possible uh, podcast episodes and then being able to talk about there's more in the book. So I don't know if that's a good idea or not, but. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think that's a bad idea at all. I think another thing is you could take like the first chapter or two of the book and have it as a opt-in for like an email list as well. So let's say you take a paragraph out of a chapter and that's what a solo episode is. And then the call to action could simply be like, Hey guys, if you enjoyed today's episode, this actually, this topic is from my book and I wanted to give you the first two chapters of it and you can download that at, and then, you know, uh, 
Yeah, I think especially I heard this quote. I think it's from Amy Porterfield who said, "The strength of an online business is in the power of an email list." And so I really have tried to try to be mindful to build that email list because honestly, when I first started, I was like, I don't even know why this is important. But there's smart people way smarter than me, so I'll just kind of do it, you know. So. And, you know, I think that that's when you have a therapist hat that causes that. So for me, like, you know, thinking about, you know, I, I've give, I think I'm ready. I'm not sure. But the online email list stuff, you know, like, you know, I, I send a survey every year to my clients, see where they where they feel that their service is going. And I always feel like crap sending, sending that stuff out. And now I'm like, no, you got to promote yourself. You got to go send it out. So, you know, part of me is. How do you get over that stuff of that, you know, well, how do I create that list? How do I send it and not feel guilty? Because again, the therapist hat kicks in fairly quickly. And, uh, and, I, and I think it translates more to the bigger question of how do you kick in the hat of a podcaster when you're a therapist? Yeah. I mean, that's a really good question. So I think one of the things that I most love about podcasting is like, it's a very service-based medium. It's one of my like favorite entrepreneurs, like Pat Flynn says, income is a byproduct of serving others. And so I really think a lot about that when it's like starting and even like sending an email, it's not that I'm trying to get sales or something. I I mean, I genuinely like when we craft our weekly newsletters, I, you know, we do a screening and one of the first questions we ask is actually the first question we ask is like, is this genuinely helpful to folks, right? Like, even if, they don't click on anything on here. Like, can we walk away saying like, Hey, this is helpful. And I think for you, like sending out the survey, it's not a, it's not what I hear is that you're actually trying to create something that could like be genuinely helpful. So it's actually a way to serve your audience and make sure that whatever things you're doing, whether it's products or services or the podcast, that it's going to be genuinely helpful for folks. Yeah. And I think that that's why like part of the survey has always been that I've realized a long time ago, I don't have all the answers and going to my clients and ideas like that has been beneficial. I certainly did it in January where my first thought of doing a podcast came up and it had high hits from the survey saying, yeah, that'd be great. So, you know, it's finding maybe the right things for the audience to listen to, because again, you know, thinking about the focus of the audience is really what clients at this point of people who are potential clients versus maybe therapists, which, you know, some of these podcasts, which do amazing work are for. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's a really good way of looking at it. I mean, I know several of our colleagues that honestly, they have a like therapy facing podcast. And part of what they even do is like, you know, like their clients will listen, like, you know, to an episode to dive deeper into something that may have been explored in session, you know? So there's like a lot of really neat and interesting things definitely you can do with it. Yeah. I think that that's where I want to be able to do that. And, you know, the question that comes with that in my head is how do you promote it other than the mailing list? Because the mailing list works, but there's other ways to promote it. I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I definitely the email list is a good way just to I think of the email list as like your most like loyal fans and it's a way just to be able to communicate with them like hey guys here's the latest episode you know it's so funny we I met with my VA we usually like have a weekly meeting and I met yesterday and we're in the process of like switching email service providers and I happened to look through the initial 
first emails that I sent, it was like a hundred and I don't even know how 120 people signed up for this, but it was like, Hey guys, the podcast is live. <laughs> like, you know, just like super simple, like emails. And it was cool to look back because, and think like, yeah, I mean, I mean, people actually signed up for this. So yeah, to answer your question, email list, definitely one really like thing that was really helpful for me. And I encourage like a lot of our colleagues to do is create like a podcast launch team. So this doesn't have to be like as fancy sounding. So the literally the first thing to do is like take out your phone and look through your contacts and just write the name of people that you think would be helpful that would be willing to share the podcast when it goes live, right? And then from the phone, then go into like your, you know, your Facebook friends and make that similar list. So using those two lists, then reach out to them. It doesn't have to be like a huge amount of people. I think I ended up having like 40-ish initially, 30, 40 people. Um, and then one of the things that I asked them was, hey guys, do you know like one or two people that you know might be interested in, in the podcast? And if so, would you mind just letting them know about it? So having this sort of core team at the beginning, it's, I don't know where I heard this, but like we can sing, we can shout from the mountaintops about how great our podcast is. And it, it, and it could be really great, but if somebody else shares that, then it's going to have like 10 times the weight, right? So I think a lot about that kind of stuff of, you know, so having like a good core group of people, then another really good strategy is like, you know, whether it's LinkedIn groups, Facebook groups, interviewing the moderators or the creators of these larger groups, you know, because, and, and not just like, as a like almost like a like a sleazy slimy way like I just want to get in front of their audience but more of you know like hey and especially if it's a group that you've been active in you know just say hey would love to interview you I know you might be really busy but here's the topic I was thinking about here's a schedule you know please let me know if this would be interesting to you I won't be offended or anything like that you know and then if you are able to interview them then they're more likely to then share it with their audience when that episode is live right which gets you kind of newer listeners. And it's like, it's not that I think that direct marketing, I think that intimidates a lot of, a lot of us. Right. Well, it's, you know, doing this passion of podcasting is certainly exposing Hmm. and, you know, this is part of where, you know, I've, I've really loved your podcast, listening to you, authentic you. And that's part of the privilege that we have. And I feel like I've listened to most of your podcasts since the beginning. How do you keep on being so intimate with people and letting people in? Mm. <laughs> That's a that is a hard one. I told you I would give you a couple of curveballs. <laughs> no, no, I appreciate you saying that. It's a good curveball. So I think one thing is obviously I try to be like very thoughtful in terms of what I share and what I don't share. My general kind of rule is I wouldn't share anything that my grandma in India like would listen to and would be like really embarrassed by. Right. But I have like, I have shared like harder things, you know, like my own struggle with depression and, you know, and managing and and being this public facing and all of that felt like authentic to me. So I guess the barometer I sort of do is, will what I'm sharing, is it is it for me or is it truly going to be helpful for people And then will it like embarrass like my loved ones or anything like that, you know? But I guess that that second question, people have like different barometers on that, you know, but that's sort of the general. Yeah. The, I mean, it's another, I mean, the question is really interesting because 
you hit on this, which is it's fairly easy to be authentic when you're starting out. But when you've done like 250, 270 episodes, how do you maintain that, that like authenticity? One thing I do is, and I don't know, it's a little bit nerdy, but you know, I, I use like Notion for to track. It's like Evernote, but it's like an all-in-one. So within Notion, I have like a quick capture section. And what I'm starting to do is write down like stories from my life and childhood that I felt like I learned something new in. And so I, my plan is to like weave those stories in into podcast episodes. You know, like for example, I was just, you know, thinking about like when, when we moved to the US, we lived in like government, like government apartments. And, and I remember like my parents had saved up and saved up to get me my first bike. And I had gotten these like, I didn't know how to ride a bike. So they got me those training wheels, you know, the ones with the big black one and the little white things in the middle. And uh, I was like thinking about this story because for the longest time I kept riding this bike and I felt like I needed those training wheels. Otherwise I was going to fall off. Then like, I still remember it. Like we were, there's like this tennis court in this apartment complex. And one of my friends had a bike that was looked like a little shorter than mine. I didn't have training wheels. And for some reason I got on it and just started riding it. And then, you know, I'm going to use sort of that story because, you know, to symbolize for me, it's like, you know, sometimes we get so used to doing the things that are comfortable that, you know, then it just becomes so familiar. And sometimes we do have to expose ourselves to a new experience or something like that, you know? So I guess the core of what I'm trying to say is like, I think one thing that is helpful is just to have like a core group of kind of stories or life experiences that you might just even write down and weave through those podcast episodes. Well, now I got to get a a notebook to start writing these things down. So that's a good idea. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's because, uh, you know, and this is one thing I've learned with podcasting. It's such an interesting thing because when I do these episodes and some of these episodes, like I spend, you know, a decent amount of time, like researching, sharing my experience and the emails that I get the most often are, you know, I love when you shared about your daughter or I loved when you shared, you know, it's the stories, right? And so I I began to realize like one of the skills that I really want to craft and get better at is becoming a better storyteller. And I think that that's the place where you really connect with your core group. And I was wondering if that also goes, and I know that this is more of a technical question where we went very personal here, but editing, does that help in those particular situations where you can go, uh, this is like, yes, I can share this. This is like, eh, I don't know. My grandmother in India is not going to like that. My mother in Canada for me. Right. Yeah, definitely. I think editing definitely helps. I think also I don't script word for word. Uh, when I do solo episodes, I script more based on ideas. Like I'll jot down like key point one and then bullet point, like three bullet points, key point two, three bullet points. So that kind of helps me to make sure that I'm staying on track as much as possible. Uh, you can definitely edit if, you know, worst case scenario, but my whole thing is I would rather not have it in a session because the pain of editing, if you are going to end up editing, you know? Right. And that's kind of where I was going to ask you part of, part of uh, the research that I've done is I hear almost a 50, 50 split, do your own editing. You'll control it. I'm getting at an age where I don't need to control everything. And I'm thinking hmm, outsourcing might be a good idea. Do you feel that there's a better way of doing this? 
Yeah, no, and I can completely understand that tension because I mean, I know colleagues that still are several years in and they edit their own podcast. So I know that, you know, sometimes online, there are folks that say just don't edit it and just put it out there. But I think I take a little bit of a different approach, which is, you know, I feel like our listeners take the time to to really tune in every week and listen to us. And I feel like one of the most honoring things that we can do is at least take that extra effort to make it sound a little bit better. You know, in terms of hiring out an editor, I mean, personally, I lean the same way as you do, which is, you know, I want in an ideal scenario as a business owner, I want to work. I want to figure out what my superpowers are and do work that that hones those superpowers. Editing is not one of my superpowers. <laughs> I don't have the passion. Like you're not, you're not going to see me at, you know, I don't know, on a random Saturday afternoon looking at editing videos. <laughs> Right. So I, I agree with you. I mean, I think if I forgot where I heard this, but if you feel like anyone, whether it's an editor or a virtual assistant can do what you want to do at 80% of the quality, then it's probably a good idea to just outsource that. Okay. Yeah. And that's, that's part of where the editing process too, is that I, I, as I, as I said, as I grow older, I don't want to control everything. I think that I've learned to let go of some of the stuff. Yeah. And I know that we can get bumper music, so to speak, online and people are like, I'll get a sample. One of the thoughts that I had and wanted to share, and I don't know what, what you did for your bumpers, but I, I, I live in Massachusetts and the Berkeley School of Music is not far from me. And I was hoping to get a student to do that, but I, I don't know if that scene is like, you know, are you, is that too precise or do you want a bumper that's more general or, you know, what do you suggest? I think a podcast is something that's like so personal to us. And so I think getting music recorded, even if you can do that, such a cool idea. I mean, and yeah, absolutely. So I like uniqueness, you know, people remember uniqueness. So yeah. And I think that that's why, like, even with the editing, finding someone to edit also brings that unique perspective and also kind of like hoping that they would find where the dead zones are. I know that there's no noise dead zones and then there's talk that's dead zones. So I really think about the outsourcing part. And one of the other thing too, is obviously you've been doing this for a while. So a lot of people know Melvin. I feel like I know you personally, um, but how do you start off by getting guests and people to come on? I mean, it, it's nice to have your friend, uh, Jay to come in and do it, but sometimes you want, may want someone else. Yeah, that's a really good question. So the very first thing I always like tell, um, colleagues is think about like your local network refer like referral professional network. And so reach out to like somebody you have a really good connection with make sure it's a topic that can align with how you're envisioning the podcast. And then what I usually do is the last like five to 10 minutes of a, like, let's say you schedule for an hour, right? Like, so typically I get off around the 40 to 45 minute mark, but I try to ideally finish conversations around the 35 to 40 minute mark. But um, I use those last 10 minutes just to ask like a couple of things like, you know, what are they working on? And then I usually ask them like, hey, do you have any recommendations for like one or two guests or one or two people that you might be able to connect me with? That would be a good guest. I don't do that on every interview, but I do it on, uh, I tend to do those on more where I felt like I had a really good connection with the with the guest. Well, that's good to know. And that's a good way to uh, 
finish off, I guess. But uh, do you feel that you get pushback sometimes from people if you don't feel um, when you ask those questions? Like uh, maybe another guest, maybe some suggestions from them. Yeah. So, like, so tell me a little bit more. Like from from the person that you're asking, like, hey, you do you know one or two people? Like you, you know, you said in the interview when you feel comfortable, you may ask them if they know people. You finish off at the forty forty five. Do you yeah. feel you get pushback from the the guest saying, "Oh no, really, it's about me right now"? Or do you feel like people are so generous with their time and generous with names that they offer you plenty of names? Yeah, that's a really good question. So um, I, I guess sorry if that wasn't clear. So usually this is like after the conversation, the actual podcast interview is done, like the recording is done. So I'll ask them like, you know, what projects are they working on? What can I support them in? And then we'll kind of weave that in. Generally, I found that people are pretty receptive. I mean, worst case I think I've gotten is, you know, I can't think of anyone at the moment, but I'll definitely like email you. I also kind of I mean, th- this is where I feel like as therapists, like this is our superpower, we're pretty intuitive people. So I get a pulse of like how the conversation's going and if I feel a connection to them and if I get this vibe like, oh, they're not really interested in, you know, they're too busy or whatever, I generally won't ask it. So, okay, cool. I think I went through all my questions actually. And, you know, I do, I do appreciate the time. I can't tell you how much this means to me. Oh, Steve, I'm, I'm really grateful. And you're so welcome. I really am again, just grateful for the courage to do this. And yeah, thank you for not throwing me like crazy knuckleballs. There were more softballs. So. Baseball just started. My hands are a little cramped. <laughs> Steve, definitely let us know when the when the podcast goes live and you know I can definitely share it in the community because I know that a lot of our colleagues are gonna be excited for something like this. Well, thank you. That means a lot to me. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Hey there, hope you enjoyed this coaching call with Steve. And especially if you have been thinking about launching your own podcast, or maybe you have your podcast already launched and You're at that point where you're thinking, man, Mel, I got to like figure out how to manage all of this because I want to be doing podcasting for a long time and don't want to burn out and, you know, all of those different things. As I was uh, reflecting on this conversation, I, I don't know, I just felt really happy to have this conversation. I love just sharing what I've learned. And I think definitely the podcasting journey is a lot of fun. But one of the biggest lessons that I've learned is it's a really good idea to try to be as organized as possible. It doesn't mean you have to like go crazy with the organization, but definitely like what we talked about on the episode with even just being out four to six weeks, it just makes the journey a lot smoother. Uh, It allows you to be more intentional with guests and things like that and people that you're reaching out to. As we wrap up, I just wanted to again encourage you if you are thinking about starting a podcast and you just need some guidance. I have a brand new podcasting workshop. It is called Using Podcasting to Grow Your Business. And this is basically lessons that I have learned from having the Selling the Couch podcast since 2015. Literally, we started with a whopping nine downloads on the very first day. And the second day, I think we had about 80 downloads. And then it's grew to about a couple of hundred and then a couple of thousand. And right now we're averaging anywhere from 24,000 to 28,000 downloads a month. And we passed the uh, 1.2 million download mark pretty recently, which is pretty cool. Um, You can find more about the workshop at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. 
Hey friends, we are on sabbatical from the STC podcast. This is my first sabbatical in seven years, but we will be back in April with brand new episodes of the STC podcast. In the meantime, there are a lot of things happening still with STC. Uh, among them is a brand new workshop that we put together for you that you can sign up at a date and time that works for you. If you are a successful private practitioner and interested in launching an online course, you can check out that workshop over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Again, that's sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Have a great rest of your day and uh, I will see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.